0: Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the Heming Brainiac List Podcast, Book 15, Chippity Chapter 8. A soldier tells the rest of that he heard, that the French corpses didn't stink, and that Napoleon was taken twice but flew away after turning into a bird. Where do these rumours come from, and why do they seem positive towards the French? I love that rumour that the French corpses don't smell bad. That's amazing. Probably true, because they're French. Garikikar says on rumours. I think if you get a lot of people together and you get them talking, the stories make themselves. Add long hours of not doing much, and they will get wilder. I am frightened for them without proper shoes. I know why shoes and foot health. Why is foot health such a massive concern during war times? I swear, if I was ever in the trenches, or in the front line, or in the Russia in eighteen hundreds. If that ever happens to me, all I'm going to be thinking about is my feet. Are my feet moist? Is it too damp in there? Are they getting soggy? Are they getting sore? Are they getting numb? Warren Kovofi says this, I think the French and the Russians might have a curiosity about one another. seems to be a common thing in war, soldiers from both sides wanting to get to know the other. When given the chance, it must be a nice change of pace instead of trying to kill them. The rumours are probably the result of idle time and maybe the reputation of Napoleon and the French. They've made such names for themselves that there is a mystique to them in the eyes of the Russians. It's a weird one between the Russians and the French because you know that there's such a mutual respect. You know that the French love, uh, sorry, that the Russians love the French. So much of their culture at that time was influenced by French culture. And Napoleon was just a rock star no matter where you were, so even though he's the enemy, still... He was just so famous. It'd be like if your enemy was Kanye West. You know, you sure, okay, I can fathom that he's my enemy, but if I see him coming over the hill, I'm going to be like, oh my god, is that Kanye West? Waiting for liar says, finally I'm up to date. This chapter didn't have a lot of action, but it was a pleasant read. It was a pleasant read. I liked it. It just put us in the headspace of those soldiers. Twisted every way. Says this chapter was funny, and the rumours remind me of the way a lot of disinformation spreads these days. Unfortunately, I know. Like you, you think, how can they possibly believe on any level that Napoleon turned into a bird and flew away? But then also, they didn't have any point of reference like the internet to teach them things. They don't know what's possible, and also. We've got all kinds of people that believe crazy stuff today, even with all the advanced knowledge we have. So, like, sure, why wouldn't you believe that? Maybe he's a bird. We don't know. Let's read the next chapter. What are we up to now? Nine. Goes like this. The fifth company was bivouacking at the very edge of the forest. "'A huge campfire was blazing brightly in the midst of the snow, "'lighting up the branches of trees heavy with hoar frost. "'About midnight they heard the sound of steps in the snow of the forest "'and the crackling of dry branches. "'A bear, lads,' said one of the men. "'They all raised their heads to listen, "'and out of the forest into the bright firelight "'stepped two strangely clad human figures clinging to one another. "'These were two Frenchmen who had been hiding in the forest.' They came up to the fire, hoarsely uttering something in a language our soldiers did not understand. One was taller than the other he wore, an officers hat and seemed quite exhausted. On approaching the fire, he had been going to sit down, but fell. The other, a short, sturdy soldier with a shawl tied around his head, was stronger. He raised his companion and said something pointing to his mouth. The soldiers surrounded the Frenchman, spread a greatcoat on the ground for the sick man, and brought some buckwheat porridge and vodka for both of them. The exhausted French officer was Rambale, and the man, with his head wrapped in a shawl, was Morel, his orderly. When Morel had drunk some vodka and finished his bowl of porridge, he suddenly became unnaturally merry and chatted incessantly to the soldiers who could not understand him. Rambale refused food and, resting his head on his elbow, lay silent beside the campfire, looking at the Russian soldiers with red and vacant eyes. Occasionally he emitted a long, drawn, groan, and then again became silent. Morel pointing to his shoulders, tried to impress on the soldiers the fact that Rambal was an officer and ought to be warmed. The Russian officer who had come up to the fire sent to ask his colonel whether he would not take a French officer into his hut to warm him. And when the messenger returned and said that the colonel wished the officer to be brought to him, Rambal was told to go. He rose and tried to walk, but staggered and could would have fallen had not a soldier standing by held him up. You won't do it again, hey, said one of the soldiers, winking and turning mockingly to Rambal. Oh, you fool, why talk rubbish? Lout that you are a real peasant, came rebukes from all sides, addressed to the jesting soldier. They surrounded Rambal, lifted him on the crossed arms of two soldiers and carried him to the hut. Rambal put his arms around their necks while they carried him and began wailing plaintively. "'Oh, you fine fellows, my kind, kind friends, these are men. "'Oh, my brave, kind friends.' "'And he leaned his head against the shoulder of one of the men like a child. "'Meanwhile, Morel was sitting in the best place by the fire, surrounded by the soldiers. "'Morel, a short, sturdy Frenchman with inflamed and streaming eyes, "'was wearing a woman's cloak and had a shawl-tied woman-fashioned round his head over his cap. "'He was evidently tipsy and was singing a French song in a hoarse, broken voice.' with an arm thrown round the nearest soldier. The soldiers simply held their sides as they watched him. Now then, now then, teach us how it goes. I'll soon pick it up, how is it? said the man, a singer and a wag, whom Morel was embracing. Vive Henri Coche, vive ce roi vilain! sang Morel, winking, ce diable de Coche. Long live Henry the Fourth, the valiant king, that rowdy devil. "'Viofka viv suvava repeated the soldier, flourishing his arm and really catching the tune. "'Bravo, ha-ha-ha,' rose there, rough, joyous laughter from all sides. Morel, wrinkling, wrinkling up his face, laughed too. "'Well, go on, go on.'" "'Qui est le triple talent de bois de et de terre un galant? Who had a triple talent for drinking and for fighting and for being a gallant old boy? It goes smoothly, too. Well, then, Zazeltev, care, Zazeltev brought out with effort. Care, he drawled, laboriously pursing his lips. Le trip, da la da 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 he sang. Fine, it's just like the Frenchy. Oh, do you want some more to eat? Give him some porridge. It takes a long time to get filled up after starving. They gave him some more porridge, and Morel, with a laugh, set to work on his third bowl. All the young soldiers smiled gaily as they watched him. The older men, who thought it undignified to amuse themselves with such nonsense, continued to lie at the opposite side of the fire, but one would occasionally raise himself on an elbow and glance at Morel with a smile. They are men too, said one of them as he wrapped himself up in his coat. Even wormwood grows on its own root. "Oh Lord, oh Lord, how starry it is. Tremendous. That means a hard frost. They all grew silent, the stars as if knowing that no one was looking at them began to disport themselves in the dark sky. Now flaring up and now vanishing, now trembling, they were busy whispering something gladsome and mysterious to one another. Alrighty, there we go, another chapter for you. Another nice chapter, I really liked that. Have your say on the subreddit, and I'll see you tomorrow.